Welcome back, dude. Welcome. Oh my god. Hey. I am so glad to see you back today. Oh my god, girl. Same. Yes. I'm ready to get back on this Marky Mark deep dive. Oh, yes. Oh, Marky Mark. <sighs> we meet again. You and your you and your terrible ways. Your what marvelous mustache. Yeah, I'll never forget you, Mark, in the worst fucking way. Exactly. So, this is insane, and you're probably going to Poughkeepsie in your pants after you hear me talk about this. (laughs) That is, honestly, like, that was, like, a really fun, that was really fun for me, and I cannot wait to Poughkeepsie in my pants. So excited. Okay, so, (laughs) to our listeners, if you haven't yet listened to episode nine, that is the first part of this. So yep. if you're just joining in, if this is your first episode, go back and listen to episode nine first for all the juicy deets. Yes, you need to. You have to. Yes. We'll wait. Don't worry. We'll be here when you, <laughs> when you get back. <laughs> Waiting. Okay. So first and foremost is our most important topic. And it is, what do you think is Mark's zodiac sign? Oh, God. Um, okay. I'm just going to go for it. Okay. Because I'm married to an Aries. Okay. And I have two kids who are Aquariuses. So I'm just going to throw this out there and say that he's an Aquarius. You think he's an Aquarius? Because yeah. your kids are Aquariuses and you think they're crazy? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? No, like, okay, so I don't know. You know my kids are really creepy. Like my kids are creepy. I love my kids to death, but they're cre- they have some creepy ways, and so creepy. I mean, my oldest thinks that um, Michael Myers is her best friend. So like, yeah, that's what. Right. That's- Final answer, Alex. Final answer, Aquarius. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong. Oh, First oh of God, all, let's Aries. just tell everybody you're a Leo. Yes, I'm a Virgo. Yeah, just like Hannibal Lecter, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> no. I actually was laying in bed this morning, and I thought to myself, I bet Mark DeTrue is a total blank, and whenever I looked it up, I was right. What was it? He is Gemini. a Scorpio. Oh. <laughs> I'm just throwing shit out there, y'all. I really don't know a lot about astrological signs except for my own kids, myself and my husband, so. I don't either, but I do know a couple people that are Scorpios, and they're fucking crazy. Ooh, wow, yes. That makes so much sense. Okay. Yeah, I told Alyssa who the Scorpio that we know was off camera. So now she's like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Total Scorpio vibes. <laughs> Total Scorpio vibes. Now, for sure. Now you know. Yes. You're, See, you're, now if I would have known that, who that person, that person's sign was, I probably would have said that. Exactly. That's saying. why I was in bed thinking. I was like... This person's a total Scorpio. So, uh, I mean, Mark Ditcher is a total Scorpio. So, <laughs> anyway, where do we leave off? Uh, yes. Convicted child molester, rapist, and murderer. Mark And Dutroux. also government money squanderer. Government money squanderer. We're going to get back to that topic today because I knew it was your favorite. So, God, it just made me so mad. Like, you're a piece of more. shit. Yeah. Well, and you're just, whatever. Let's move on. Anyway. Going on. After the trial took place in 2004, okay? Oh, wow. So not that long ago, um, he was sentenced to life imprisonment in solitary Mm -hmm. confinement. 
So oh damn, good wow, thing, good right? For you. Yeah. Wrong. It's not good, and I'm going to tell what? you why. So let's talk about what happened between his arrest, which happened in 1996, and the actual conviction and jail time. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. So first, that's like a really long time. So the question is, what happened? According to some WikiLeaks documents that were released. I know. They were released in 2009, um, and they were the prosecution's records. There was apparently some major suppression of evidence in this case that many refer to as an extensive cover-up. So let's look at it, shall we, darling? Yes. Yes, darling. Let's look. Yes, darling. Okay. So I got a lot of this information from sources, so I just want you to know that, like, I didn't come up with this on my own, and if you want to know further, just check out our webpage. Which, P.S., we got a website. Yeah. Yeah, we got our own fucking website, and subscribe, like, comment, and review. Yes. (laughs) On the podcast. All those things. Indeed. Subscribe, rate, review. Apple, Spotify, Podbean. Tell your fans. Tell your friends. Tell your pets. Tell your mom. (laughs) Yeah. Tell your neighbors. P.S., my mom has been sharing us, like, nonstop lately. We've been, like, on her story. We've been on her... Dude, Jan is timeline. The real she is the real one. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we did get a big girl website. It's www.galsandgore.com. Cha, cha, cha. So, Woo-hoo. go check it out. Look at the fun stuff. So, anyway, back to Mark. Let's start first with these law enforcement errors. Okay. Okay. So, there was a ton of stuff that got overlooked, and I really want to hear your opinion on these things. So, first, There was a failure to follow up on a letter that the police had received in 1995 that explicitly stated that Mark DeTrue, the man himself, was kidnapping girls and holding them at his house. This letter came from, wait for it, his mother. Wait, so good old mommy writes a letter. (laughs) Mommy dearest. (laughs) And then sends it to the popo and they're just like, oh. That was fun. Right. Let's throw that away. Pretty much exactly. That's exactly what happened. She wow. stated in her letter that she knew that Mark had kidnapped two girls and was keeping them hostage in his house. Well, what the fuck? Why didn't she go over there? Why didn't she go to the police and was like, hey, I know my son's doing some crazy shit. No, let me write a letter because that's so much more fun. I oh, actually this think that bitch they would is the worst. Probably have a French accent. So she'd probably be like, oh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Let me write this letter for you. And that is all I will do. Yeah. I am not worried about these girls. So uh that's actually a great point. I don't know why she didn't go up to the police station, but she submitted a letter to the police. They got it. It said, Yo, hey, Mark Detro's got kids in his basement. You should check that out. And guess what? <sighs> they didn't. They didn't. How did what the you fuck? know? Yes. Oh, my God. So, I mean, did they get rid of the letter? Did they just put in evidence? Like, what did they do? Mm -hmm. They just put it in evidence, and they were like, oh, this is kind of hearsay. No big deal. (gasps) But, I mean, like, you should check it out regardless. At least a follow-up, right? You know? It involves victims. I mean, like, I could see if it was like, hey, Mark DeTrue is spray-painting pics of dicks on the sides (laughs) of restaurants. Like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, we don't know if that's him, whatever. But these are like... Hey, real people. True is keeping people, children, children in his basement. 
why don't you go check that out? And Maybe like, just <laughs> give them a nice little knock knock on the door there and like, hey, got any kids in here? Right. And they're like, fun story, Mary. Right. Get back to work. So <laughs> this is just the tip of the iceberg, though. Okay. So get ready because we're mm. going down, down, down. Oh, God. Like Mary J. Blige down. I'm going down. Exactly. Edit that out because I'm the worst fucking singer. No, I'm but... not editing that out. I'm keeping it. <laughs> well, I hope everybody can go see an ear doctor because your ears are probably bleeding. So after Lejeune and Russo were kidnapped in 1995, it mm-hmm. took the police 14 months to arrest Detroux, even though he had been a prime suspect from the start and they knew that he had committed similar crimes before that he had been in jail for. So why? Why did it take them so long? To get to arrest him, like were they were they questioning him? Was he on a suspect list, or were they just like, oh, oh, he was on a suspect list? Yes. So actually, during a search for Lejeune and Russo, police visited Detrue's house twice on December thirteenth and on December nineteenth, and Lejeune and Russo were being kept at the house that the police visited. Okay, so here's the kicker. On the second visit, a locksmith accompanied the police officer. The police officer's name was Rene Michaud. Okay. Okay. A locksmith goes with them to the house to, you know, open the door that they can't open because it's locked. The locksmith testified that he heard screams of children coming from inside the house and said to the officer, I'm not leaving before we turn this place upside down. Those screams are clearly coming from inside the house. To which Michaud, the officer, replied, quote, Who's the police officer here? You or me? Oh, what a dick move. Wow. After that, no attempts were made to free them. So, like, they just, like, didn't do anything with the locksmith. Thanks for coming along. That was real fun. So they let him unlock the door, and then they just dismissed him. And then they searched the scene and, quote, didn't find the girls. Okay, so this house was not the house that, obviously not the house that, like, Mark lived in day to day. No. And he was just keeping the girls, right? Yeah, because remember, he owns, like, seven houses, possibly more. Right. And a bunch of them are all abandoned. So he doesn't live here, but he has kind of, like, turned this place into, you know, a dungeon torture hall. I'm so salty about the amount of homes that he has. You're going to get him more salty because I'm going to tell you more about that, like I said. So next, before what you were talking about. Detrue was arrested in December of 1995. So if you remember when he was brought up on car theft charges, when he was recognized by Rochelle, and he was actually convicted to three months in jail at that time. This is when the two girls in his basement starved to death. Oh, yes. Yes. So it was actually earlier in that same year that they had received the letter about the girls, but they didn't check anything out, even though they already had him in custody. So wow. why not follow up on that lead while you already have him in jail? Yeah. So that's very fishy. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like McDonald's fish filet fishy. Even worse, extra tartar sauce fishy. <laughs> I love the extra tartar sauce. So after this misstep, there's another. Um, during the search of the houses of Detroit, several videotapes were found and... You remember whenever you asked me what were they doing with these girls that they were just like riding around and picking up? And Mm -hmm. not only were they torturing them, raping them, holding them against their will, they were also videotaping them and making videos of of their attacks on these girls. And all of these videotapes were found in this house. Okay. 
those videotapes were never looked at. (gasps) What? Yes. So not at the time. Whenever they got them, whenever they picked them up and got them, they never looked at the tapes. Some of the tapes actually documented Dutroux constructing and building the dungeon in which Lejeune and Russo were held. And if police had just looked at them, they would have found the dungeon and they would have found Lejeune and Russo. And they would be alive. Yes. And here's the crazy part. The videotapes had been in possession of the police since December of 1995. Okay. What's the link here? Does how did, he have friends in the PD? How did they get those tapes but not notice the girls in the dungeon? Or, like, look at them? Right. Because, like, that's, I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, a really nosy person. But, like, to me, it's, like, a detective's job to be nosy, right? Yeah. Like you find I mean, something, you check it out, you look at it, you you do, you do what detectives do. Like, right. And if I think about my house, like in the early 90s, we had a lot of videotapes that were yes. like home movies and stuff, you know? Yes. But at the same time, if you walk into like a torture dungeon full of them, you're probably going right. to be like, what's going on, bro? No, for sure. And I mean, like, if this person is a well-known criminal... And has been in and out of prison several times. And I mean, like, you have a letter about him saying that. And then you find, like, videotapes. You hear screams. Like, you know, there are certain things, like, that probably would, like, add up in a normal person's mind. Make connections. Yeah. Be like, yeah, "Hmm, something's off here. So. Right. These tapes were not looked at. But they were passed on to the prosecutors in the case. But not to the judges. And then okay. furthermore, some of the videotapes were actually returned to Mark Detrue by police officer Rene Michaud without ever being looked at, ever. So some of them were returned to him, and we still don't know what's on those tapes. Okay, I guess, like, I, I don't understand, like, it, I'm having a hard time understanding, like, just why. You know, like, what is... What's the reasoning? Like, you know, you find these things, like, as a detective or as a police officer, you know, you find these things, like, this could be a possible crime scene. Yeah. Even just going and just knowing, like, this could be a possible crime scene, and you gather things that look suspicious, it's your job to look at them. It's your job to, you know, like, weed out what is a crime and what is not. So, like, why didn't they just look at the tapes? To make sure, like, that, okay, you didn't find the girls, or you did, quote-unquote, did not find the girls, but if you would have looked at the tapes... You'd have seen that they were there. Right. That, and you said something interesting before. You were like, what, does he have friends that are police officers? Well, I think, obviously, he's got some type of relationship with Rene Michaud, because Mm -hmm. this guy's obviously, like you know, oh, I don't see anything in this house. I don't hear anything. And then just happens to return some of the tapes to him. So after they returned the tapes to do true, they were reportedly, quote, stolen. Mm, I bet they were. Conveniently. By that that infamous tape, videotape stealer in (laughs) Belgium in the... Oh, man, he's famous. If you guys don't know about him, you should really look him up. Put your videotapes under lock and key because he will come and grab them, honey. Oh, he was was just ruthless out for all the tapes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So in 1999, some of the tapes were finally reviewed. These were homemade pornographic videos, right? Right. And, you know, his 
even from his crimes, like way back in the day, he was raping these children, videoing it. Ugh. And one of the tapes that was reviewed in 1999 showed Dutroux raping a young woman in Slovakia. So they weren't even in Belgium. They were in a different country. So that makes me wonder two things. Number one, just how far do his crimes stretch, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then number two... If the tapes that they reviewed showed him raping and torturing and these girls and then building a dungeon, what do the tapes that got stolen, what do those show? Have on them, yeah, for sure. And, you know, what else this makes me think of, too, is that if they saw these tapes in 1999 and it still took them another five years to convict him in 2004. What? Yes, that's what I'm saying. So it's like there were just these huge lapses of time that really – angered and incensed the belgian people against the government so and was he wait was he incarcerated during this time yes he was incarcerated but he hadn't been convicted yet so he was like being held this is fucked up exactly well it is and that's what everybody thought and it just kind of lends to the theory that there were like you said much farther reaches in play so during the trial, the lawyer of one of the victims, Letitia Delhez, also expressed disappointment that the videos weren't reviewed, especially in a timely manner, because they could have proved that Detrue wasn't acting alone. Mm-hmm. So these videos could have been, they could have made it possible to identify other victims, but they also could have determined the severity of the torture that the victims had to endure during their imprisonments with Detrue, and if there were any other men. Right. Or, I mean, like any other victims, too. Yeah. So here's my question is, the tapes that disappeared, did they have other men on them that or the police other did not want? Like the woman from Slovakia. Yeah, but did they have other men on them that the police did oh, not I'm want sure. to get out? Because what if there were videos of, like, police officers also oh, taking girl, part? Oh, I'm sure there were, especially if um, Renee, the policeman, yeah. you know, just ignored the screams of the girls and didn't want the locksmith, you know, going, going in there, there saying anything and then returning the tapes. I'm sure that there were some really fucked up things on those tapes that got stolen by that infamous tape stealer. <laughs> yeah, we need to find him. He's still at large to this day. Yes, he is. But some of my videotapes went missing in 1996. So. <laughs> but there were tons. You're right. There were tons of other victims that were actually in those videos that absolutely could have been identified had they looked at yeah. them. So There's just like a lot more people, you know. The later leading investigator, Michael Borlay, said that some of the videotapes had disappeared, but he wanted to have all of them recovered and reviewed. So he was, this guy was actually trying really hard to Mm-hmm. bring justice for these people speaking of slovakia oh several sources say that this other guy michael nihul and mark detrue were planning on or even already running a prostitution and trafficking operation between <gasps> slovakia the czech republic and western europe so several pieces of evidence lead to connections to slovakia and the czech republic and this included the video of Detrue raping the girl the in Slovakia woman. that wasn't reviewed after it was seized. So it also included testimonies saying that they were planning on setting up a traffic operation. Oh my gosh. Yes. Also notable, the car theft and some separate drug smuggling operations that Detrue was involved in led 
to those same two Eastern European countries. Oh, okay. So no doubt there are people there who are connected were not to caught. Him. Right. During the time of his arrest, Dutru was in possession of 12,000 SKK, which is Slovakian money, Slovakian currency, and cash. Hmm. This man. And his money, just, girl. I mean. I know. And then six Belgian investigators did visit the Czech Republic and Slovakia in August of 1996, but it's reported that it wasn't possible to prove that Dutroux had committed any crimes while being there, and mm. they returned without any substantial evidence. Hmm. Well, like I said earlier, that's the same year my videotapes got stolen, so there's obviously a link uh, because this is bullshit. My goodness, we got to find him. <laughs> All right. But wait, there's more. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, in 1998, Detroux was allowed to have a look at his case files while being accompanied by two police officers. So, hmm. when one officer went on a break, Detroux pulled a good old Ted Bundy and overwhelmed the other officer and was able to escape. What? Yes. Unlike, Excuse me? Yes. Unlike Ted, though, he was captured a few hours later. Not very what a dumbass. <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> yes. So. He probably, if he probably would have shaved his mustache, he probably would have had like a much better chance. <laughs> They probably didn't give him a razor in prison, but, you know. You never know. Yeah, so he definitely attacked an officer and made a break for it. So in the aftermath, no. the Minister of Justice, the Minister of in of the Interior, and the police chief all resigned as a result of that escape. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, it was a pretty big deal. And in 2000, Detroit received a five-year sentence for threatening a police officer during the escape. Um, okay, so five years for threatening a police officer, but he got three years for kidnapping girls? Yeah, for kidnapping, like, five girls way back in the 80s. Wow. This is, like, you know, it's like every time we do a case, like, a little bit more, like, light shines on the justice system, and it's just, like, my heart and my soul just die, like, piece by piece because it's so fucked up. I know that it's not perfect, but, like, that's fucked up. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's yeah. absolutely horrible yeah. and heartbreaking. It is. What else, though, is that during the investigation, it was also noted that thousands of hairs were found in the cell where Lejeune and Russo were kept, but these were, for a very long time, never tested for DNA evidence at all. Like, And I'll talk more about those later, but that's just another oversight just to keep in mind so i mean like there could have been like i mean so many potential victims and they were just like oh well i think the thing here is that there were so many potential perpetrators suspects yeah yeah not so but like they so well, what they think is happening they is didn't that ever yeah what they think that's happening is basically what jeffrey epstein did like they think that mark detrue was like getting these girls and that men were coming in and raping and raping and raping and raping them. And they oh, were thinking, so not so many victims, yes, so many but just suspects. So I think what is for me is, um, I'm so victim focused right now because this case reminds me of that book that we read by Karen Slaughter, pretty girls. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I do get the idea that there was all these other important people involved. 
you know, but like when you said hairs, I was like, oh, how many people were they keeping in this this dungeon? Well, I mean, and that could be a question, but we we know for sure that there were just the girls, but it's also a question of how many people came in and actually raped these girls. And if we do DNA <sighs> evidence, what type of DNA are we going to uncover? Is it going to be these important government officials, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that they yeah. don't want to get out, things that they don't want uncovered? Yeah, right. So oh in that same vein, let's talk about cover-ups, Okay. So how did Mark get away with all of this shit? And how did this fly? Like, how did this happen for so long? Seriously. Yeah. So the popular belief of the Belgian people is that Dutroux was part of a pedophile network that included high-ranking members of the Belgian establishment and that the other people involved were never prosecuted. So remember that gang that Pettigem said that he was working with? Oh, yeah, and I, like, tried to clown him, and I was like, a two-person gang, and you were like, no, a real gang. (laughs) Yes, for real, because at the trial, Dutroux actually said, which, by the way, he spoke from a protective, bulletproof glass box. Oh, my God. Yes, he denied all the charges. He said that he never actually raped anyone, and he claimed to be just a small player in a really large pedophile ring run by the Belgian elite, and that he had been helped in his abduction of the girls by the police. Wait, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. So he basically said, I'm just a small dog in this huge international pedophile ring, and all these girls were actually abducted by the police and helped bring them to me. That is what he said at the trial. he's saying he's a scapegoat, but I mean, like, I think, here's my question to you. Do you believe him? I think that there are a lot of really fishy circumstances. Do I believe he's innocent? No. I mean, obviously we have tapes of him raping girls. No, he's not innocent. But do I believe that there are more people involved? Yes. Do I believe that there are high-powered people involved? Yes. Oh, for sure. But who do you think took them first? Whose idea do you think this was? I mean, I don't... I don't know if I can... I mean, obviously, Dutroux is severely messed up in the head and crazy. A real winner, winner chicken dinner. Right. Come get your prize. But, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility to me that he was being, like, recruited by larger forces to do this work for him, for them. hmm Yeah. So... Wow. Dutroux actually named a powerful Belgian businessman, Michael Nihul, as Ooh. his link to this alleged child trafficking enterprise... And Nihul was among 13 people that were charged in the case with kidnap, rape, conspiracy, and drug offenses. And 13? 13 people. Including Mordechai? Yes. Oh, shit. So Nihul, in a newspaper interview, stated that he had, quote, information about important people in Belgium that could bring the government down. <gasps> oh, my God. This is like, this sounds like a Taken movie. Yes. It does. It's really, like I told you, it goes really deep. So Nihul was convicted only on the charges of drug trafficking and criminal conspiracy, and he was sentenced to five years and was released after only two. Honestly. <laughs> I wish people could see your face. Oh, my God. <laughs> so aggravated. This is really getting old, y'all. Stop letting people out of prison. I mean, just stop letting people... Like, this out of prison. Like, my God. We have people in prison for marijuana charges who do longer sentences than people who traffic children something is wrong i guess it depends on who the crime's benefiting well something is wrong Mm -hmm. it is this is fucked up Mm -hmm. yes for everybody even the people who are not involved in this scandal (laughs) people who are sitting sitting around in jail because they smoked a little bit of 
fucking pot, devil's lettuce. You know, like you don't deserve to be in there. I'm sorry. No. I don't believe in that. And I don't give. I don't give a shit who I offend or who this pisses off. But this is fucked up that somebody, because they have money and power, can just spend a little time in jail. And I'm sure that it was probably most uncomfortable for him. But I'm sure it wasn't that uncomfortable because you know he's powerful. Yeah. But they have people who have these minor drug charges and they have been in jail for twenty plus years. Absolutely, girl. Go Sick. off. Go off. This That's me. exactly really how I feel about me it. Off. Or people it really who are does like piss me off. in jail for writing the uh, wrong address on their kids' things so yes. that they can get oh, into like a better God. school district, and they spend five years in jail when these guys are spending two years in jail for like kidnapping and raping tons of girls. It's ridiculous. Like the, uh, the justice system is so screwed. And I know that most of our experience has to do with justice system in america but Mm -hmm. apparently it's not that different in some other countries so right and i mean like taylor our good old southern lawyer friend said Mm -hmm. this is a pot a totally different podcast like that we could make (laughs) that i could just literally go on for hours about (laughs) how many how horrible the justice and the police system is yes i mean in the school system all of it all of it how every system is the government all of it sucks Okay, listen. Moving on. Let's just say if Alyssa or I disappears, neither of us want to hurt ourselves. So, hell no. I like my life. Someone killed us. The only things on my mind are what I'm going to eat next and can I put cheese on it? So, you know what? (laughs) If I end up dead, it was not me. And it wasn't my husband either. He likes me too much. It wasn't me and it wasn't Jordan because I feed him. (laughs) Yeah, I feed Brandon too. Thank God. the only way he can get any food. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. Okay. It's a conspiracy. So, Nihol died October twenty third, twenty nineteen. He was age seventy eight, and it was from oh. having suffered from failing health for several months. That's so sad. Important to note: no evidence of a wider pedophile ring was ever found by the police. Of course, it wasn't. Not surprised. Convenient. Very. Something else that I think is important to note that all of Belgium would probably agree is that there was this um, judge named uh, Judge Jean-Marc Connerot. Mm -hmm. And he was removed from trying the case in the beginning. And he says that during the case, he was under close watch and protection because the authorities believed that there had been a kill contract put on him by this gang. Interesting. And he stated that he personally felt like it was just to put him under pressure mm-hmm. and so that the people involved could closely watch all of his movements. And So he was like one of the good ones. Yeah, he was actually a really good guy. So he okay. was removed in 1996 with the courts saying that his impartiality was impaired because he had attended a fundraising event for the families of the victims of Mark DeTrue. And there mm-hmm. he had received... A pin, like I know I say that word weird for so it's for some people like a pin, a pin that you write with, and oh, a bowl of spaghetti as a gift. Oh yes, very impartial. Yeah. Wow, how could you not be? Yes, I received a good bowl of spaghetti will sway anyone your way. A writing implement and a good bowl of spaghetti. So <laughs> this incident actually became known as the spaghetti affair in Belgium. Oh, well, sign me fucking up because, number one, I love spaghetti. Love it. You you get me one of those pins, the gel pins. You get me a pack of gel pins and a, a, a set of bags of spaghetti. 
<laughs> you get me a gel pen and a bowl of spaghetti and I am yours. My favorite movie time <laughs> snack is a big old bag of spaghetti. <laughs> these G2 pens, I'm telling you, give me a pack of these and it's done. That's why I married Jordan. He had a whole box of them in his, in his well, office. They, I mean, honestly, tell as old as time. Again, here we go. <laughs> oh, my God. She keeps following us. What's going on? Okay, so his removal from the case actually is the first thing that sparked. Wait, I'm sorry. I just need to say, like, this judge was removed because he received a bowl of spaghetti and a pen. Yes. But they couldn't they couldn't view the tapes <laughs> found in a person's fucking torture sex dungeon. <laughs> And they re- they completely refused to follow up on a letter by the suspect's mother saying that there were victims mm-hmm. in the house. Mm-hmm. But goddamn, a fucking bowl of spaghetti, you're out. You have committed some horrific, some horrific, some <laughs> atrocious crime. Horrific and atrocious. Hashtag horrific. Horrific. Oh, it's a new thing. Patent it. Maybe they were just. So full from eating so much spaghetti, they fell asleep and didn't have time to watch the tapes. Sounds more like full of shit to me, but whatever. (laughs) So his removal from the case is kind of one of the first things that sparked national outrage. And because his decisions had led to the rescue of two of Dutroux's victims. And Okay, so he sounds like the perfect dude. For the job. He was. And that's why people were so mad. And over 300,000 people protested his removal and other errors in the investigation during what became called the White March in October of 1996. More on that later. Um, Press reports claim that before his removal, Judge Jean-Marc Connerat was on the verge of publicly disclosing the names of some high-level government officials who he had recognized on videotapes that were viewed. What? Ooh. Sounds like somebody was scared. Somebody was scared and they got him out of there. Mm-hmm. Somebody was really, really fucking scared. Yep. And Con- there's a bunch of stuff in research about Conrad, about like his advocacy for the case and things that he was trying to do. So people were really mad about this. And he... Well, yeah. I'm mad about it. I don't even live there. I'm not even... This is not even the time that he was removed. And I'm like, fuck y'all. How, How dare you do y'all? this? I know. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I know. Conorat had also named the businessman Michael Nihul as the brains mm-hmm. behind the child kidnapping operation. The brains? The brains. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. That Mark was thinking okay. the arms. All right. Well, <laughs> I came up with that on the spot, so don't quote me, but yes. <laughs> okay, but he only got, what, five years for drug trafficking? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And then he was let totally out in fine. two years. I'm okay. I'm just want you to know I'm like I'm I'm like I'm breathing. I'm, totally I'm going fine. to like a I feel like how I have to be like how I was when I was in labor with Sage. Like I'm breathing, I'm going to my nice place because this is really pissing me off. Well, but, I'm just okay. gonna sip my tea because I'm about to really piss you off because uh, the next thing I want to discuss is Mark's wealth and assets. Fuck! <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. We know that Detroux owned at least seven houses. Some of my research even said that he had ten. Oh, man. It's really sad that people don't get video with this because he faces. I know. Our listeners can't see my face, but I pretty much just died. And hopefully my husband has dug a grave for me 
in the garden backyard in the in the garden <laughs> side note i got some information that a garden is basically synonymous with a backyard oh my god wait oh my god wait hold on girl i had a dream last night that you didn't ask our new french friends from their french podcast about a garden and I was about to call you out on our show. And in my dream, I called you out on our show. And I was like, just letting everybody know that Scotty made some friends that <laughs> know what gardens are. And they didn't, she didn't even ask him. So, well, but you did. And now I feel like my mind has betrayed me. And I am an, I am a complete asshole. Actually, I did not get that information from my new French friends. So, well, fuck you. <laughs> So you were dead on. <laughs> you were absolutely right. I did not ask them. I forgot. It's actually Aunt Penny that oh. told me that. So how dare you? How could you not ask him? You know, I'm so like literally, you guys, this is the shit that keeps me up at night. Yes. Well, <laughs> honestly, if it helps you feel better, a garden in the UK and Europe is synonymous with what we call a backyard. They must have really nice backyards. So when they say, yeah, they make it sound so fancy. So when we say, like, I let the kids go play in the backyard, they say, I let the kids go play in the garden. Well, I'm about to start saying that because it really, it like really like takes your whole life up a level. Like, yeah, I'm telling you, if I, if I told anybody that we know, oh, what'd you do today? My kids played in the garden. They'll be like, oh my God, the fuck? Wow. You're the best mom. you damn right I'm fucking nice and I'm fucking fancy and I'm the best fucking mom you've ever met. So, you know what? I'm amazing. <laughs> 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Back to Marky Mark. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Mark DeTrue was actually in total worth 6 million Belgian francs. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the equivalent of 130,000 USD. I don't give a fucking shit. It sounds like a fuck ton of money. And I'm pissed. Way more than I have. Um, yeah, right. Me too, girl. Yeah. So while most of his wealth was like all on his properties, we do know that he was also receiving public assistance of up to $1,200 a month. So it isn't clear how DeTrue was able to acquire the 10 properties. But documents were released on WikiLeaks that do show. However that large sums of money in different currencies arrived in Michelle Martin's bank account, timely linked to the disappearances of the abducted girls. And let me just tell you all right now, if you haven't gone on our website or on our Instagram and looked at a picture of Michelle Martin, this bitch is not happy with her life. Like She, is she looks like she made bad decisions. <laughs> Honestly, I'll be honest. She looks like she took a bunch of laxatives, but she's trying to hold in her shit. But she also looks like she's really, really upset. Like, she's really mad. She looks like she can't believe that her boyfriend, who's worth six million Belgian francs, is still hose clamping dudes' balls for more cash. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> she's just like, I, huzzah. Oh, I concur. God. Like, what in the fuck? <laughs> I'd have the same face, Michelle. And, you know, she's in prison now, too. So that's helpful. Thank God. So this money was also transferred in foreign currencies from Morocco and Saudi Arabia. What? Yes. And both the transfers and the value of the properties that Detrue owned suggested to investigators that he was financed by a larger pedophile and prostitution ring. Oh, great. And le- I am I am just going to take a wild fucking guess that nobody wants an investigation into this ring. No, it's the same one that they said that they couldn't find any evidence of existing. Oh, yeah. 
quote unquote. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so man. I'm gonna be so tired after this from being so fucking mad. <laughs> Just need to pass out. So a, <laughs> a Flemish newspaper reported, and the Flemish newspaper was called. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Newsblad. Ooh. <laughs> Like I did that well. They reported that he had committed health insurance fraud, oh, theft, insurance fraud, oh. and investments oh. on the stock market that he had made that contributed to his wealth. But I could not find any substantial credit for those claims. I'll be honest. I'm more concerned with the doctor giving him sedatives. The, <laughs> yeah, the sedatives and them him just saying that he was mentally ill and the government being like, don't worry. Here's $1,200. Yeah, you can fund your whole life on $1,200 a month. So yeah, other outlets suggest that he was able to acquire his wealth through criminal activities such as drug trafficking and insurance fraud again. Um, and some sources do say that he just made a lot of money with, you know, plain old car thefting and pimping. Obviously, don't we all? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Stole a couple cars last week. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't have the energy for that. Um same oh god just thinking about it so (laughs) So i also think it's substantial to look into claims that were made by the victim's families about what was happening at this time too paul marshall the father of the murdered Anne marshall accused the police and the judicial system of a cover-up in 2001 oh and he was angry that still in 2001 the trial hadn't even started even though detrue had already been under arrest for several years I don't blame him. Yes, and Paul Marshall is quoted as saying, it feels like they don't want to find the truth. It's not a good feeling, and I'm not the only one who feels like this. Dude, I can't even imagine. I mean, like, my heart goes out to any victim's families because, I mean, like, to just have to sit there day after day, family or friends, let me say, you know, to sit there and know that, like, your loved one is gone and to sit there, though, and also know that the people who you are supposed to trust, the people who you are supposed to be, you know, trusting to handle everything that has gone wrong or doing nothing and actually in favor of covering it up. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine how that feels. My heart just goes out to all those people, all victims' families, all victims' friends. I mean, you know that I have an experience like this, you know, like where something has happened Mm -hmm. and, you know, somebody has passed away and... People weren't held nothing responsible. Has, yeah. Right? People weren't held responsible and nothing happened. Yeah. You know? And it's fucked up. Yeah. Because it feels like that person doesn't matter. Exactly. And that's exactly how these family felt. These families felt. It was like their kids didn't oh. matter. Yes. I can't. Oh, God. My, I mean, my heart breaks and my heart goes out to everybody who has lost someone, you know, through any any circumstance. But especially like this. some sort of tragic crime yeah. like this. For sure. And furthermore, in the aftermath, Corrine Russo and her husband, Gina Russo, were not permitted to identify their daughter and look at her body. They were told by authorities that DeTrue had identified her and that that was enough. Yeah. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I am pissed. Yeah. What? So they said, yeah, he told us that that was her, so <gasps> we're just going to 
Take his How word for it. How fucking disrespectful. I know. <gasps> right? Oh my God. I'm horrified. It is horrifying. And the autopsy of Melissa showed that she had been raped over a prolonged period of time. And Ugh. no DNA evidence was ever taken from the body at all to even conclusively make sure that Detrue had raped oh her. My, because oh Detrue had always denied raping Melissa and Julie. Oh, because his account of things are so fucking accurate and trustworthy. Yeah, and apparently they're taking his word for it. They're like, oh, yeah, for sure. This is us to be this girl and didn't even let her parents see her. Honestly, I don't know if I have ever been so fucking mad about a case as I am about this one. Yes. Because this shit just sent me over the edge. Yes. To say that the person who carried out their crime, the crimes on their daughter identified her and the, her own parents can't even identify her, that is fucked up beyond reason that is fucked up beyond anything i can even comprehend yeah it's absolutely completely twisted and eventually several families of the victims boycotted the official trial stating that it was just a circus and that no progress in the case had been made since the removal since the removal of judge connor rot again good, good for them remember how we talked about that there were tons of hairs found in the cellar where they were kept but they weren't yes. tested for dna so okay. the presiding judge, Langlois, refused to have them tested for DNA evidence, even though the leading police investigator, Michael Borlay, had begged him to have them analyzed in order to know whether or not more people aside from Dutru were involved in this. So the general prosecutor on the case, Anne Thilly, said that she didn't believe that there was anyone else involved and thus mm. didn't have the samples analyzed. And Thilly told investigative journalists that in any case... All hairs have now been analyzed, all 5,000, and the results of this <gasps> analysis, nothing. No evidence of any relevance in the Dutroux affair, which proves, of course, oh. that Langlois was right all along. But, of course, the journalist said that this wasn't true. Of course not. Sources central, what a bizarre thing to say. Right. Sources central to the investigation confirmed that in 2002, the hairs had still not been analyzed. Oh, my God. That is so sad. Yes. So many unanswered questions. And, you know, not just for nosy-ass people like me, because I admit, I do, I love to know things. <laughs> but for but the for families. Like, right, for the families. And think about it like this. What if your husband or your boyfriend or your brother or your father was one of those people? I'm sorry, but I would want to know. And I would want justice for those families. Yeah, absolutely. The news reporter actually accused... The senior prosecutor, Thilly, of brazenly lying outright. And she yeah. continued to question Thilly and asked her how she would want to prove that Detrue raped the girls as he was denying it and there was no DNA evidence. Thilly then replied that there were DNA tests but that the results came back inconclusive as the bodies mm. were too decomposed at the time the samples were taken. Okay. So, I mean, like, we know that they didn't take DNA evidence from Melissa, right? Right. Okay. So, I mean... We don't, we're not exactly sure though how many girls they actually took DNA evidence from because to me it sounds like they're willing to take DNA evidence from one or two girls and say that that's that. Mm -hmm. Or just not and even I mean, taking at the any end of DNA the day, at all. Right. And at the end of the day, I mean, how long has, have they been raping these girls and torturing these girls? So, no, his DNA might not be inside the girls. His semen might not be there. It probably won't. But that doesn't mean that he didn't do it. Right. These girls are in his home. Especially if there were videotapes of it. Right. That actually what the fuck? It. I know. So Detrue's lawyer, his name is Xavier Magny, 
He said during the trial proceedings, quote, I speak not only as a lawyer, but also as a citizen and a father. He was not the only devil. Out of the 5,000 hair samples that were found in the basement cellar where some of the victims were held, 25 unknown DNA profiles were discovered. There were people in that cellar that are not now being accused. Okay, and I get that. I do get that. But that does not make him any less of a monster. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. They're just saying that. I guess what the prosecution was trying to do is prove that, yes, like, Dutru is a monster and we know that, but there are more right. people who need to be held responsible for this, too. So it, right. even after that, it was never attempted by the prosecution to match those DNA profiles to people implicated in the case, and no one was ever accused. And that doesn't make any sense. No. Because that's her job. Right. And would it be a real murder mystery if we didn't involve a cult? Oh, no. Oh, now I'm color me surprised for real this time because this one came out of left field. Just like really did not see this one, but it's super creepy. This came up in a couple of different sources. So Detrue's lawyer also said that the prosecutors did not follow up on evidence leading to a cult called Abrasax, which Um, allegedly performed human sacrifices. Oh, no, that's literally exactly what's going on right now. (laughs) Yes, it's like literally they literally took the court transcripts from this and just redid it. So in this old wooden house that Bernard Weinstein had, who was an accomplice of Detrue's, right? This letter was found from the occult sect called Abrasax in which a gift for the high priestess, now known as Dominique Kindermans, was mentioned that consisted of 17 girls between the ages of 2 and 20 for anal, oral, and vaginal sex. And the letter was signed by a priest named Anubis. And I'm sick. this priest was later identified as Francis Desmond. I'm sick. Yes. That is disgusting. So later investigations show that four policemen in Charleroi were also members of this sect. Four policemen. <gasps> yes. And oh one God. was even the treasurer. Who knew cults had treasurers? Like, how do you get yeah. that job? I don't know. Man, I guess you're voted in, but like, Wow. What do you guys do? All in favor, say aye. <laughs> hmm. Nay. I mean, fucking weird, man. I know. Did they have a VP? A VP elect? <laughs> yeah. VP like, just, just in case? Now I'm really interested in, like, the inner workings of this, this cult. Yes. So the headquarter of the sect, which was called the Institute Abrasax, was raided in 1996 by 150 officers. And on, oh, wow. on TV, they showed police taking away bags of papers, video cassettes, and a refrigerator. They also took away a lot of black magic ritual implements and human skulls. Oh. oh. So I oh, did not have time to do any research on it, whether or not this was connected or whether or not this came to anything, but that would be another good rabbit hole to go down. I mean... Do black magic if you want. Do whatever kind of magic you want. I don't care. Worship a rock on the street. <laughs> but I mean, like, why do you have to hurt other don't people? Don't hurt other people. Yeah. Yeah, like, what? What? Why? Yes. No. So, no. also, several police officers that had worked on the case were removed in 1997. And mm. it was reported that they were removed for, quote, manipulating evidence surrounding the testimony oh. of a witness, Regina Loof. Mm. However, okay. the supposed involved officers always denied that accusation. And of course, this included Officer Rudy Hoskins, who believed that the testimony of Regina Loof was true because 
Her testimony matched an unsolved murder case that she could have no knowledge about had she not witnessed it herself. And what she described in her testimony unknowingly was the murder of then 15-year-old Christine Van Hees, whose body was found in 1984. Oh, my God. Yes, and she said that the girl was tortured to death by a group and that Nihul, one of Dutroux's accomplices, took part in that torture, and she said that Dutroux was there and he watched. I bet you that was the cult. That's what I'm thinking. Creepy group. Yeah. Yes. They even have a treasurer. That makes them extra creepy. (laughs) For real. All that money they got to keep up with. Yeah. Well, that's how I know Mark Dutroux was involved. Yeah. Fucker. So the officer leading this investigation, his name was Debates. He said that he followed up on all the testimony the witnesses had given. And in order to determine whether what they said was possible or not, and they came to the conclusion that it was possible that the things had occurred as the witnesses described them. And this investigation, of course, took up a lot of resources and time on the police Mm -hmm. force. So an inquiry was initiated into the handling of the case, which again took up as much resources as the investigation of debates itself. So... It was said by the investigators of debates that, quote, the suspicion grew that debates and others formed part of a sect bent on de-establishing the kingdom. The kingdom? Yes. So debates and a large part of his team were removed from the investigation and sent home on indefinite leave. (gasps) Well, okay. I'm sorry. Like, I'm just, I'll say this. Like, whenever people start doing shit like this, like suspending people firing people getting rid of people like i mean like that's suspicious it is suspicious and not only was debates dropped from the invest investigation but he was also charged in 1997 with concealing the fact that loof had wrongly identified a photograph of one of the victims however on the videotapes of her interrogation it's visible that it was really hard for her to stand looking at these photographs and that her correct answer had been in the files all along in 1999, Debates was exonerated from all the charges, but he and his colleagues mm-hmm. still remained on leave. Ugh, okay. But what about that one other officer? Remember Renee oh, Marshall? Renee? Yeah. Yes. Yes. The one I've that heard the screen about the locksmiths? I'm glad I've you asked. I've been wondering about him. Why did you ask? How did you know? Something special happened to him. Oh, okay. So not only did Michaud fail to rescue Lejeune and Russo, he also failed to look at videotapes that were confiscated mm-hmm. from Dutroux's house. And as we know, those showed him constructing the dungeon. Some of the videos Mm -hmm. included tapes of him raping women. And Mm -hmm. as we stated, many of those tapes were returned to him without ever being looked at by law enforcement. So even though Michaud committed these crazy huge failures in his duty as a police officer in what turned out to be one of the most important criminal cases in the history of Belgium, he was never removed or put on leave like the other officers. He was actually promoted to the position of police commissioner. (gasps) Wow. Amazing. (laughs) He, yeah. He sounds like he really knows how to get the job done. And by get the job done, I mean completely fuck everything up for justice. I know, right? What's more, over 20 potential witnesses in this case have died, some with no real explanation. So what happened to these people is a whole other question in itself. Oh, God. Oh, God. So do you want to hear about these people and how they died? Uh, Of course I do. (laughs) Do you know me at all? Absolutely. So first of all, Bernard Weinstein. 
Oh, accomplice okay. of Dutroux, remember? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Turns out he was not buried alive by Dutroux. He was actually poisoned by him whenever he gave him too much oh. rohypnol and he died. Oh, man. R.I.P. Bernard. <laughs> All right, next up is Jean-Paul Taminiao. He had actually rented a garage across from the hangar that Dutroux was using. Remember when they oh, hid that mm-hmm. stolen van? Yes, yes. So he died after telling a friend that he had received important information about Dutroux. And we don't know what happened to him, but his foot was found in a river one year later. The complete corpse was never found. Well, obviously it's a natural death. Yeah. Or suicide. Yeah, I always, I'd cut off my foot before committing suicide for sure. I wouldn't, so if you find my foot cut off, it wasn't me. Cut off my foot and throw it in a river. (laughs) Sounds like a Louisiana Saturday night. (laughs) (laughs) okay next was simon poncelet who was a policeman that was investigating the car smuggling ring around detroit and Mm -hmm. he was shot during a night shift in his office oh not suspicious at all Mm -hmm. nope not at all. very normal next was joseph toussaint he was a confessor of michelle martin so she told him everything that was going on and he died of a heart attack Mm -hmm. is that official Cause of death? Uh, from the coroner's office. Okay. Don't believe it. Moving on. Next. Christian Conrads. He was a prisoner who was supposed to be questioned about his connection to Detroit, but managed to escape and was found dead one month after the escape. Oh, he escaped too. Sounds like somebody let it him out and they be... killed him. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Wow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Next was... I am smart, I promise. <laughs> I have a master's. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, you guys. I swear. I'm smart. It's a real institution. <laughs> okay, next up was Jose Step, and oh. he was a well-connected person from Charleroi, and he said that he had important info on Detroit, and he died two days before testifying to the police, and he dropped mm. dead from an overdose of rohypnol. Oh, I knew it. I just knew that that's what you were going to say. And it was actually... Because that's... Yes, yeah. it was actually a sedative that was found in his asthma breathing device. <gasps> mm-hmm. What? That is fucking savage. Wow. Who is this person? Who is this assassin that's like running around just chopping people down? Liam Neeson. There's also an assassination of somebody super important involved in all this, but... I, when I tell you there was so much information, like we don't even have enough time. So I encourage you, go yeah. look through all this stuff. So next was Brigitte Gennard. She was a friend of Michelle Nihul's and she was a dentist. And she died one year mm-hmm. after the trial for Detroit started and it was an apparent suicide. Apparent. Next was Anna Conjavoda. She had contacted the police to tell them about connections of a porn ring around Detroit to the Eastern Europe. And she was found beaten, choked, and dumped in the river in Meuse. Oh, my God. What the fuck? Next was Gina Pardins. She was a social worker supporting victims of child pornography rings. And she told friends that she saw in a child pornography tape in which one girl was murdered. And she claimed that she recognized (gasps) one of the perpetrators as as an acquaintance of Michael Nihul. And she died after calling the police to tell them that she had been threatened with death by a car accident in connection with her work. And guess how she died? Car accident. She died in a car crash 
going 80 kilometers per hour into a bridge railing. Wow. Wow. And so, like, nobody thought that this shit was suspicious. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I mean, next honestly, was Sa- Sandra Clays. She was the ex-girlfriend of La Livra, and she said that she heard him and Detroit talk about, quote, a way to make a lot of money, and she also died mm-hmm. by apparent suicide. This is, like, this is crazy. Yes. And then next was Nadej Renard. He was an acquaintance of Detroit's, and he died um, before wanting to give a list of contacts surrounding Detroit to the authorities in April of 2001, and he also died in a car crash. Oh, my God. Yes. As if my anxiety and paranoia wasn't enough, here I am wondering if I know about something I'm not supposed to. How can someone kill you without the police figuring it out? So There's probably a lot of ways. At least 15 other people also died in connection with the case. Um, Jeez. So Alexandra Gosselin was an 86-year-old former metal worker who sold his house <gasps> to Bernard Weinstein. Oh, God. And the remains of victims on and Effie were found on that property. <gasps> um, and after selling the house, Gosselin continued living on the property in a wooden chalet and he told his son that he found Bernard Weinstein's behavior really strange. And Weinstein said repeatedly that he wanted to buy the chalet as well in order to not be disturbed by any neighbors. And he allegedly attempted to kill Gosselin's dog. Excuse me? Yeah, what a psychopath. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, what the heck? Yeah. Like, just leave the dog alone. Yeah, leave, leave those dog dogs alone. alone. Yeah. He can't even tell on you. <laughs> yeah, right. And then afterwards, he told his son that he slept with a gun under his bed. Um, and he died oh, yeah. supposedly a natural death after a large amount of abdominal pain. Hmm. Sounds like poison. Okay, so next was Guy Goebbels. <laughs> he was a police officer who worked on the case from the start in Grace alone. He died of apparent suicide by gunshot to the head. This is a lot of, like, mysterious deaths or suicides surrounding this case and... Mm-hmm. I mean, like, all of these mm-hmm. people are connected to one thing, and, That's I mean... crazy? Yeah, like girl. Oh, my God, girl. Oh, this is so crazy. kill you. The police are involved. <laughs> the police, <laughs> they're involved. Um, okay, next guy, Bruno Taglafiero. He was oh, an ac- wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> I'm trying really hard with these names. So he was an acquaintance of Detroit and also a scrap dealer, and people allege that he was blackmailed and forced to commit crimes before his death. He told his mm-hmm. wife that he was going to die because he, quote, knew too much, and his wife told a witness that he got rid of a car that was used to kidnap two girls, and he mm-hmm. died by poisoning that was first ruled mm-hmm. a suicide but declared murder by poison after autopsy. Oh, Okay. Next death was I mean, Francois Raskins, who was a part of the drug and crime scene and told his father that he wanted to talk to him about Melissa before the public knew about her kidnapping at all. And he died. Oh, shit. Yes. He died before being supposed to testify concerning his knowledge about one of the kidnapped girls, Melissa. And he oh. died of a supposed accident. He fell in front of a train and the train smashed and killed him. I'm sorry, he fell in front of a train? Mm-hmm. Yes, that often happens. It actually happened on the day he was supposed to testify. Not suspicious at all. Definitely not. Next up, Michael Pirro. He was a nightclub owner familiar with the red light scene in Charleroi, which 
If you don't know what the red light Ooh. scene is, just listen red to that Red light song. district. Roxanne. <laughs> I was thinking Ludacris' whole album, Red Light District. <laughs> okay, you can listen to Sting in the Police or Luda, whatever one fits your fancy. So he died after contacting the families of the kidnapped girl, Julie and Melissa, three months after the arrest of DeTrue. And oh God. he was shot in a car parking lot. Oh, no. Next was Fabienne Jopart, who was the wife of Bruno Taglafiero, and she died after finding important documents of her husband and asking the police for protection. And the way that she died was ruled a suicide, but she was burned on her bed after her bedroom was filled with methanol and lit on fire. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. How how dramatic. (laughs) Yeah, that was (laughs) – seriously, if somebody commits suicide like that, it's like, wow, that is just – a really bad yeah. way to go. Yeah, what the fuck? And then a guy named Hubert Massa died. He was the senior public prosecutor in the Detroit case. And he died one month after he started working on the case by supposed suicide. And Gregory Antipine, mm. he was a police officer investigating the Detroit case. And he died of a suicide by hanging, supposedly. So there's even more that I didn't name. Those were just the ones that I thought kind of sounded... Like, I hate to use the word interesting, but kind of sounded interesting. Like, directly involved, though. Yeah, and there's literally hours worth of more information out there. I mean, hours. Like, this was just some of the stuff that I found. So, if you're interested, please go check the shit out. Okay. So, in October of 1996, more than 3,000 Belgians marched through the streets of Brussels after Judge Jean-Marc Connerat was removed from the case. They called this event the White March. I talked a little bit about it before. Mm-hmm. And people took to the streets to honor the victims in what was by far the largest protest in Belgian history. And they demanded wow. an investigation and a reform of the police and justice system. And protesters were making and wearing signs that said things like, stop the cover-up. <laughs> Yes. Oh, my God. That literally sounds like now. That sounds like... Isn't it weird? Every, Parallel. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, history is repeating itself. It is. So, here's some updates. In August 2012, Detroit's ex-wife and accomplice, Michelle Martin, was granted parole 16 years into her 30-year sentence, a move that was met by more protests. Thousands of people yeah. marched again, calling for reform of Belgium's judicial system, and coffins that were bearing Michelle Martin's name were set on fire. How badass is that? Oh, wow. Yeah, but she was like, no, I'll just stay in here. Yeah, so the demonstration was organized and led by Jean-Denis Lejeune, which was Melissa's dad. And Mm -hmm. they called for greater considerations of victims and decisions of parole. Yes, Um, absolutely. Definitely. The true's other accomplice, Michelle Lelivre, who was found guilty of kidnapping Mm -hmm. but not rape or murder, was granted parole in September of 2019 after serving 23 oh. years of his 25-year sentence. Dang. Yes. They really butt-fucked him on that one. Yeah, they did. Woo. But he has been given six months to secure a place to live and will be released completely if he's successful. Hmm. Well, I mean, I appreciate, um, like, the justice system more for his mm-hmm. release than I do for Michelle Martins. Absolutely. 100%. And uh, Dutroux, his last request for parole was in 2013, and his request was denied on the basis that he would not be able to reintegrate into the Belgian society. And obviously, his mother, Janine, said in an interview that was published hours before the hearing, said that she believed that he would reoffend if he was released. She said, quote, I am certain he will start again. 
Mark isn't ready to be released because he still wants to attribute to others the responsibility for what he did. Yes, I mean, like, look look what he did. This is, like, what, his third time in prison? Mm-hmm. And he's still doing shit. Yeah. And he still won't kind of, like, he still won't admit that he was he's so heavily involved. Fucker. He's a sneaky fucker. He's a snake. He's a big fucking sneaky snake, <laughs> and I don't like him at all. I don't like it. So... Mm-mm. On October 20th, 2019, 400 Belgians met in the streets of Brussels on what they called the Black March on the 23rd anniversary of the White March. Because remember, the organizers of the White March were also calling for reform, asking lawmakers to ensure that convicted felons of crimes like Detrues would never be eligible for early release. Mm -hmm. But on Monday, October 28th, 2019, Belgium's sentencing court ordered a new psychiatric report on Detrues that could see his potential early release become a reality uh, in 2021. Oh. No. Oh, my God. That's next year. Next year. Next fucking year. This is not okay. No. <sighs> that was it. That was everything. That I. That was everything that I researched and presented, but there's so much more. Wow. Well, you know what? I'm just – I'm going to say, like, I hope whoever is doing this mental evaluation on him – really sees him for the monster that he is, you know, and understands that he obviously has no compassion and no, like, real soul. No. He's obviously a piece of shit, and that's why he's in jail. I mean, look at all the hurt that he's caused people. Absolutely. I mean, people in Belgium are absolutely... in a jail cell is a small... Just infuriated. Um, Of course. If you remember before, we were talking about the... French girl, the two French girls who produce a podcast, it's called the French Chronicles pod and it is produced in English. So if you want to check it out, they, um, you can go and follow them on Apple podcasts and they messaged me because they were like, wow, yeah, the, the actual Mark DeTrue case really hits close to home for us because, you know, Belgium is a French speaking country and it was, it's really close. And in Europe, it was such a big deal. So, um, when I asked her if they knew anything about it or if they remembered, she said no because she was younger. They're kind of our age, you know. Um, but she says that it's still a big case that still gets talked about all the time um, and tons of publicity, especially today. Yeah. So how crazy is that, that all of this was going down and just like absolutely nuts? I don't know. Right. For sure. I mean, uh, this one is – this one's just terrible and – it's terrible to think that Mark DeTrue can possibly get out, out next year. Yeah. Next year. Be on the lookout. Watch your videotapes. Yeah, watch your videotapes because literally they're coming for him. Somebody's they are coming get for him. Honey. Yeah, so how appropriate with what's going on right now in the U.S. For real. Indeed. All right, well, that is what I have for you today. I cannot wait to meet with you next week. Please remember to rate review and subscribe us on apple Podcasts so that other people know we exist yes yes and follow us on instagram where can they find us on instagram Alyssa? they can find us at gals and gore oh one word for sure and now you can find us at www.galsandgore.com our big girl website oh my god where we post all of our sources and all that fun stuff so just remember trust no one Murder is a killer.
I'm into Panamba. Roses are friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs>